right. Well, hey, look, good to see you this morning here on Facebook Live. So glad you could join us. We're going to have a wonderful time today. And uh, hey, get your cup of coffee, grab your kids, grab the family, and uh, let's sit back and enjoy. Just want to remind you, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting is happening now. We're right in the thick of it. And uh, we just encourage you to uh, go online and check out our little conference call that we have. You can have a conference call every uh, morning, 6 o'clock. Just call in at this number with the passcode. You can get offline and, uh, and, and, and just call in. And we have a little devotion. We have a little study. And then we pray together. Great way to start off your day. I think you'd really enjoy it. Well, hey, listen, I don't know if you heard about Bubba, but uh, Bubba was raised Southern Baptist and... Um, and a good old boy in, in the neighborhood. And every Friday he had this tradition. He'd come home and he'd, he'd cook venison, put it, some venison steaks and put it on the grill and just loved that. And, well, the neighbors around him, the problem was they were all Catholic and they were in the middle of Lent. And in Lent you couldn't eat meat on Fridays. And so he'd come home and this aroma of meat just kind of stirring all around the neighborhood and it's really really causing the, the Catholics to stumble. And so they called the priest and they said, priest, you got to come over here and do something with our neighbor, Bubba. He, he, he's you know, frying up all these steaks and it's just, it's just too much temptation for us. And so the priest said, I'll come over. So he came over and talked to Bubba and sat down and said, Bubba, you know, I think what you need to do is you need to become a, a Catholic. And uh, Bubba said, well, I was raised a Baptist. He goes, well, I think you should become a Catholic. And it would help even get along with your neighbors better. He goes, well, I'll, I'll study and check it out. So he studied a little bit, came to Mass, and uh, walked up to the front. And the priest sprinkled him with water and, and said, uh, you were born a Baptist, and you were raised a Baptist, but now you're a Catholic. So Bubba went home, and the neighbors were happy. Everybody thought the problem was solved. And then Friday came around, and there it was again, the smell of venison just going throughout the neighborhood, just waffling through the air. They called up the priest. you got to come do something. Now it's back. Bubba's still cooking steaks. So the priest went over, got out of the car, ran up to the house with his beads in front of him, and got around the corner there to where Bubba was grilling the steaks and in his amazement, he saw there was Bubba, and he had some holy water, and he was just throwing it on that food, on the, on the grill. And he said, you were born a deer, you were raised a deer, but you is catfish now. <laughs> anyway, it's funny how we learn some lessons in our life. Hey, question for you this morning. Here we go. How many have ever flown in an airplane, right? You've flown in an airplane? And, and, and have you ever heard when you were in that airplane, the captain come on the, 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 the loudspeaker and say, all right, everybody, fasten up your seatbelts because we're about to experience a little turbulence. We see turbulence ahead. Fasten up your seatbelts. I think we probably can all say we've heard that said at some point if we ever have flown a flight before. This morning I come to you with a more of a sober heart. I want you to know this morning that I think in our season that we're in, as you've been following current events, that it probably is time to fasten our seatbelts. Um, there could be turbulent times ahead. It looks like we are in a season where um, things could be radically different uh, in the near future than we've known perhaps even in our lifetime. I'm not here to be a Debbie Downer. Downer. I, I'm here not to bring depression. I'm here just to share with you 
the reality, and, and, and this is no news to probably most of you. But the question then we have to ask ourselves in seasons like this is, okay, well, what can I do? I'm just a little nobody in a little no place in a little bit of a little town in nowhere America. What can I do? No, that's not true. You can do a lot. You can do a whole lot. I want to take you to a passage this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 13. And I think it will give us a jumping off point into maybe a direction that God wants to take us in. Chapter 13, verses 19 through 22. Now, not a, black, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. Because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, their mattocks, their axes, their sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening a plow point and a mattox, third of a shekel for sharpening a fork or an axe, or for reopening a goad, or repointing a goad. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier, on the day of the battle, look at this, on the day of the battle, now this is significant, not a soldier, not a soldier, was found with a sword or a spear in his hand except for Saul the king and his son Jonathan. That's, that is quite astonishing, isn't it? In the day, in the day when the Israelites needed to defend themselves, in the moment, the day when, when an enemy was fast upon them, in the moment when another culture was seeking to come and overpower their culture, in the moment where another type of belief system was about to penetrate and take over their belief system and everything they've known, in the day, in that moment, when, when, when they needed to somehow make a stand or repel this thing, they found themselves defenseless. They had nothing. They had no weapon. Can you imagine? Joe, the farmer, he looks out over his farm and across the valley on the other side, he sees a vast array of Philistines by the thousands have assembled to take them over. They were in battle uh, mode. And he looks and he goes, oh my goodness, we are about to be overrun by the enemy. And, 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 and guess what? He goes out, runs to his shed runs to his house, runs to his closet to find something to defend himself with. And he has nothing. He runs to his, runs to his neighbor. Hey, Fred, I need, I need a sword. I need a spear. I need a shield. I need something. We, we, the enemy is fast approaching. Do you have something? No, no, I don't. buddy, I'm sorry. I, I got a, I got a shovel, you know, <laughs> he runs to the other neighbor. I, hey, I, I need something to defend myself. You need something. What, what do you have? Uh, I, got a, I got a sharp plow. Okay, how about that? They, they were defenseless. Why? Because there was not a blacksmith to be found in the nation. The enemy, get this, the enemy had done an incredible job of making sure that that nation of Israel did not have a blacksmith. The blacksmith was the key, they realized, to keeping the nation of Israel equipped 
with the materials and the weapons they needed to defend themselves. They literally, through, <laughs> through a, a subtle strategy, had rendered Israel defenseless. And they had nothing. They had nothing to defend themselves with. The word blacksmith is an interesting word. It's two words to combine together. Black speaking, referring to metal. And smith, which means to beat or it means to, um, to, to beat, beat down or to strike. In other words, a blacksmith is in the spiritual. It, you know what? This is a spiritual principle that we, we read from here. Because a blacksmith in the spirit is a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, an intercessor. A person that stands before God and beats the heavenlies and declares something that is at the moment that it's not going to be this way, but it's going to become another way. A blacksmith to us in this story is a person on their knees, on their face, seeking the Lord in behalf of their nation. And if you are a blacksmith, then guess what? You are not defenseless, and neither is those around you or your region or your nation, for that matter. And I believe today God is looking for some blacksmiths in our country. He's looking for some men and women that will, that will wrestle uh, in, 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 in the spirit dimension for God to do something mighty and powerful. The Bible tells us in, that in, in the scripture that we, we do have an enemy. And it says that in Ephesians 6 verse 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. The, 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 the raging war right now is not between a, a liberal, you know, or a conservative or, or a, a, a Democrat or a Republican or a, a, a capitalist or a socialist. That, that is not really the enemy. We have to understand as spiritual people that the enemy is principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. This, my friend, is the enemy, and that's what we wrestle against. We will always have differences of opinions in certain areas, but, 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 but what we're seeing now requires a wrestling, a wrestling against spiritual Forces, demonic forces, for that matter. Hmm. And, and, and we need wrestlers. We need blacksmiths. We need people that can pray. The word wrestle in the literal version in the Greek language is a referral to the Roman um, ways of wrestling in those days. And this particular form of wrestling is a unique word because you know, we're familiar with uh, cage fighting now and all that. And you, 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 if you feel like you're going to, you know, be uh, uh, overpowered and you can't get out of it, you just tap the guy three times and he lets go and, and, and he's declared the winner. Well, not, not, not in the days of the Romans. Oh, no. There was no tapping three times and the guy gets off of you. The, the rules of engagement in that time was if you're going to be in a wrestling match, then We'll put you in this cage or this ring or this place, this room, and whoever walks out alive is the winner. 
The, the loser is the one that's dead. It's literally a, 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 a warring until one is alive and the other is not. And that is the word that Paul is referring to. Is he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual powers around us. And it's a wrestling in prayer where one is completely defeated and annihilated and brought to his knees and the other is alive and the victor. And so this is the, 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 the word that we have of a blacksmith. You know, um, if you were to talk in the olden days to a person that was on a ship, uh, I'm talking about 17, 16, 1500s, back in those days, you'd ask them, hey, who's the most important person on this ship that were on sailing across the Atlantic? They would say, <laughs> surprisingly, they would not say the captain. They would say the most important person on the ship is the blacksmith and the carpenter. Most everyone at that time was quite familiar with sailing and probably if had to could take over the reins and command the ship and be a captain, but not a blacksmith, not a carpenter. They couldn't do that. That requires special skill. And when that mass was in a storm and that mass split in two and broke over and fell over and laid on the deck in half in splinters and they sat dead in the water, a captain could do nothing. There was nothing a captain could do. He had to call upon the blacksmith and the carpenter and they would come and they would hoist that thing back up and they would put it back in its place and cause it to now fl- float again through the water, through the storm, out of danger. And when we are in danger, we need a carpenter. We need a blacksmith in our corner. It's in the middle of the storm. Remember the disciples were in the middle of the storm and and. And they were, they were about to drown. They were fearful for their lives. And what did they do? They woke up the blacksmith. They woke up Jesus. And Jesus came to the bow of the boat and he spoke. He declared, peace be still. And peace came immediately to the storm. You need a blacksmith in your boat in a time of adversity. It was, it was, it was Paul who was on the boat, wasn't he? When the, he was taken captive and they were taking him with a bunch of soldiers and they had him as a, as a prisoner and they were taking him to Rome. Paul was a man of God. They came against a storm. It was called a, a northeaster. It was a, it, was, it was a violent storm, one of the most violent types, like a hurricane type of a storm. And they knew that their lives were in jeopardy. They were throwing off food. They were throwing off supplies. They were throwing off tackle. They were even throwing off their anchors. They were throwing off everything in, in order to save their life. And it was Paul who prayed and had a vision and spoke to them and said, you will not pro- you die if you just stay on the ship. And, and, and that's exactly what happened. They were all spared. Why? Because there was a man of prayer. There was a blacksmith on their boat in a time of adversity. When there's adversity coming, and listen, you know, I want to tell you, we are in a time of adversity in our nation. And now is the call for the blacksmith. Where are the blacksmiths? Because here is the... Here is the reality. Only prayer is going to get us out of the mess that we are in. 
Can you say amen to that? Just go ahead and out loud say amen. <laughs> Only prayer is going to get us out of the mess that we are in. Isaiah 59, 19. I love this. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. What a powerful scripture. Now, if you will look up that word standard in the Webster Dictionary, it will tell you what you probably thought anyway. A, a, a flag with a pole, you know, a pole with a flag on it, you know, a standard, a, something you carry, you know, into a battle. It's a flag you're waving, you know, that's, that means a lot. But, but, but that's the best way they knew how to interpret this passage of Scripture. But if you really go to the Hebrew, the original word where it says standard, what you see is it doesn't say flag, you know, with a pole or nothing like that. It doesn't refer to that. What it says, the meaning of the word standard is to flee, to escape, to put to flight, to cause to disappear. In other words, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. Say it like this. The Spirit of the Lord shall come in so powerful that the enemy just flees. The Spirit of the Lord will rise up. If, he, if he's pulled upon, if he's asked, if you tug on him, he will rise up and the enemy will flee. They will run. I, I, I lived in New Orleans uh, for a while when I was in Bible college and, and we lived in a very, you know, not very uh, nice part of town. Let me say it like that. And, and a very, um, we didn't have a lot of, it wasn't a very healthy place to live. These uh, uh, complexes that we lived in, and, and very run down, whatever. And and so I remember one night, we had white laminate countertops. I remember one night I came in, uh, I was going into the kitchen for something, and I flipped on the light, and it, the countertops were black, and they went white just like that. <laughs> It was cockroaches. They just flew out of uh, out of that kitchen somewhere. I don't know where they went. It was, and that is exactly what this word represents. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord the Lord will raise up a standard, and the Lord will the Spirit of the Lord will come, and the enemy will flee, just whew, just like that. It was in that manner, in that fashion, that we see Jesus really fulfilling that passage of scripture. When he went across the, the Sea of Galilee to a region called the Gadarenes, he walks, he, he gets out of his boat, and, he, and, and there on, the, on the, the bank of the Sea of Galilee, a man comes and meets him who is the most bound up man in the entire region. In fact, when Jesus has a conversation with him, Jesus asks him the question, what is your, your name? And the demons literally speak on his behalf and say, legion. <laughs> a little dramatic flair there, but that, that's exactly what I imagine probably what happened, but even worse. Well, legion. Legion actually is a referral to um, a, a quadrant of the Roman army. It was, a, it was a, a, a division of the Roman army, which usually consisted of five to 6,000 soldiers. Now, imagine for me just a moment. You meet a person who is locked up and bound and completely possessed 
by five to six thousand demons. I mean, I, I, the only way I can describe it would be what the Bible describes this man. He lived in a cemetery in, amongst the tombs. He had no clothes on. His hair was, he hadn't washed forever. His, he, was, he, he was a madman. They tried to even chain him up and he broke the chains. He, this was an out of control situation. Can we say it like this? He was, it was an out of control situation. It was the most out of control situation in the entire region. And Jesus shows up on the bank, on the shore, to confront the most out of control situation that anyone had ever seen. And all Jesus said was, go. Just like that. Go. Go. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get down and, 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 and wrestle with this guy. He didn't, he didn't try to hold him and constrain him and, and, and try to t- do some, you know, mental calisthenics with him, some intellectual, you know, ascent with him. He didn't try to bring a book out and do a little Bible study. With him. He just said, go. And when he said go, immediately the demons cried out. They leave and they go into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs literally run down a steep hill and into the, into the Sea of Galilee and drown. That is what the power of prayer does. When it's confronted with a spirit of darkness, with rulers of darkness, with principalities and powers that we're dealing with here, so, my friend, I want you to know that this situation that we're in can have a good result. I, I'm referring to the situation that America is in. The world, America, it's in pain. I mean, we, I don't know if America has ever been in this much pain um, in its history. I, I mean, we could go back to the Civil War uh, and, and that would be a good picture, um, no doubt. But from that point on, I mean, if you look at 1912, you've got the Spanish flu. That was a terrible thing. We survived that. We got the Depression in 1930. Terrible, terrible thing. We got the, the World War II, 1945 and on. That was bad and we, we got the civil rights movements and the rioting is going on in the 60s and coupled on top of that with the Vietnam War. That was bad. But this, what we've seen, the, the, the pandemic, the, the racial tension and the rioting and the street and the lootings and, and, and mixed with the election and the, the virus and, 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 and now this sense of censoring now um, the voices of people. Now, um, certain, uh, certain high-tech companies are now censoring what is said and not said. Now, now, we have something that, that is maybe beyond what we've ever seen or even heard of in a long, long time. America is in pain. What do you do when you are in pain? What does a nation do when they are in pain? Thankfully, we can go to the Bible and we can look at a wonderful scripture. Her name was Hannah. Hannah was barren. Hannah was without child. Every other woman her age had had child, more than one. She was 
watching slowly as her ship was slipping away. Her season of childbirth, that window was almost closed. And she had done everything she knew to do to somehow have a child. And there was no child. The Bible says that every year she and her husband, they would go to the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, and they would they would sacrifice and pray unto the Lord and renew that relationship that they had with the Lord. But this particular time, it wasn't like normal. She wasn't eating. She wasn't sleeping. She was she was a, she was a mess. Her husband says, "Sweetheart, I want you to eat. Why don't you, I can't. I can't. I can't eat." In fact, the Bible tells us that her name, her name is Hannah. She went to uh, the, 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 the temple, the, the, the tabernacle there, and she fell down before the Lord. And she wept. She wept with so much anguish and so, much, and so many tears that as she was praying out to God, her lips were moving, but words weren't even coming out. And Eli, the high priest, who was kind of, overseeing that session of the day, looked at her and thought, what in the world? This woman is drunk. She's lost her mind. She is out of control. And he goes to her and he says, woman, why in the world are you doing it? Why don't you stop drinking? You're drinking way too much. You're making a fool of yourself. And she says, I'm not drunk. I am in anguish. I am in pain. And my desire to see a child born from my own body will not happen unless God intervenes in my behalf. I am not drunk. I am in pain. And he said, ma'am, may the Lord answer your cry. And she took that as a promise from God. And she said, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. Just answer my prayer. It wasn't long afterwards, the Bible tells us, that she had a child. And she did exactly what she said she was going to do. She dedicated that child back to the Lord. But more importantly, do you know what she named that child? She named him Samuel. You know what Samuel means? Samuel's name literally means his name is God. <laughs> if you saw Samuel playing in the playground as the new boy in town, and you were talking to your friend, hey, who's that new boy in town? Oh, that's his name. Oh, his name, his name is God. That's God. That's God. God's arrived on our playground. That's who that is. His name is God. Literally, she produced the great, one of the greatest, perhaps maybe even the greatest prophet in that time ever to walk the earth. Samuel was birthed. Can I say this? Her pain produced a promise, and her promise produced an answer. Today, prayer produces a promise. And I need you, and I am asking you to quit worrying and fretting and wondering what in the world's going to happen to our world. And I'm recruiting you into the army of the blacksmiths. I'm recruiting you to learn 
how to be that person that knows how to beat the heavenly the heavenly dimension who knows how to go to God and cry out and pray and seek the face of your God and to pray and to pray and to pray until God hears your prayer, till not only does he hear your prayer, but God answers your prayer. I end it on this note. If my people, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, you've heard me talk about it before. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I want to focus on that one part. He says, if you will pray, if you'll seek his face, I will. God says, I will heal your land. I will. I will hear from heaven. I will. It's not, I might, I possibly could. I, it's maybe a chance. It's a shot in the dark. It's a big order to ask. You don't know what I'd have to do to make that come to pass. It's none of that. He says, I will hear. That word, I will hear, means to listen intently and to listen with intention to do something about it. When you pray, When you seek the Lord, if my people will humble themselves, if you'll humble yourself, like we're fasting. Why are we fasting? We're fasting because we're humbling ourselves before the Lord. I don't know about you, but while I've been on this fast, I I have sensed an incredible amount of the presence of the Lord. I love these times when we come together and we fast and pray. We humble ourselves. If we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, if we'll seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, I will hear. And so today, my friend, he is listening to you. He will hear you. He will hear me. He will hear us. And the pain that we're going through shall be turned into a promise. And a promise will heal our land. Would you mind praying with me this morning? Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that when we feel like all is without hope, that there is always a solution. And so, Father, we enter into the school of the blacksmith. Teach us, Father, how to pray. Teach us how to humble ourselves in a greater way. Father, we're not fasting just because we want to lose weight or something. We're fasting because we need deliverance in our lives, in our families, and now even more than ever in our nation. We're praying. We're humbling ourselves. We're crying out to you. We're asking and we're speaking in faith. And we believe, Lord, that you hear. And we know you listen. And we know, Lord, that you are bringing down powers of darkness and principalities. And we come spiritually. We speak against the principalities and the powers of darkness and the rulers of darkness and the darkness of this world. We speak against those entities 
that exist and we say in the name of Jesus by faith, you will be rendered powerless. You have no more influence in our nation, in our world, in the media, in the school systems, in the institutions, in our educational system. In the name of Jesus, we drive out the enemy. We raise up a standard. And by the faith and even by the example of Jesus, we say, go in the name of the Lord. And we declare that by faith. And we thank you, Lord that you answer our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I trust things are going well for you and you're experiencing the touch of the Lord in your life during this fasting time. Listen, if you ever want to receive Christ, perhaps you're watching this and you've never done that, we'd love for you to connect with us through the website. Uh, summitchurch.tv, and uh, we, we just want to get together with you and have a conversation. We'd be, our, we'd be delighted. For everyone else, thank you again so much for watching. We love you. We care for you. We cherish you. And we will become the blacksmiths of this hour by God's grace in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.